Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Kylie Camps, owner of the Kind Parenting Company, wife, proud mum of twin boys, and happiness advocate. This podcast is a place for women who want more from life. It's your time to cultivate more self-care, compassion, happiness, love, and confidence. Let's have real conversations to help you feel better, choose better, and live your best life. Welcome to episode 40. Now, this podcast is a really sensitive topic, and I urge you to use your own discretion as to whether or not this is, in fact, a podcast that you want to listen to or that perhaps you can handle listening to right now. It is a beautiful conversation, but there is a lot of sadness and it involves infant loss. It is such a big, difficult, scary, but needed conversation I feel because so many women out there have been impacted, not just women, so many families have been impacted by loss or will be impacted by loss. And the conversation that I have with today's guest really goes into exploring one family's journey through unimaginable heartache. My guest is Elise And she really bears so much of her soul with you. And as I said, it can get a little bit hard to listen to. So please use your own discretion. Hey, Elise, thank you so much for making space in your day. And of course, also in your heart. I know that this is a huge thing. Um, And we were just chatting before I pressed record. And I was saying to you that I just am so grateful that you're able to share your story and your personal journey into motherhood. I'm really just honoured that you're willing to do so, um, particularly on the podcast, because I know that we have a lot of listeners who've also experienced loss or know someone close to them who has. And I just think it's an area of life that can be hard to address for so many of us. Um, So yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for, um, for having me and letting me share my story because it's not often that we get to sort of talk about it or you know go into it so um yeah I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to talk to me about too so it's good thank you stop at you so (laughs) for, for full disclosure here Elise and I and also her husband actually all went to high school together Um, And even further back than that, her husband and I were in the same kindergarten class too, which I don't know, Elise, have you seen that (laughs) kindergarten photo? It's so cute. (laughs) You got to. Chris has the best curls. Um, And yeah, so we went to high school together. And then as life happens, you know, we leave high school and all of that sort of stuff. But when I fell pregnant with the boy, boys um Elise and I actually connected again just through Facebook I believe because through word of mouth I'd found out that she was also pregnant with twins and it was just really special to be able to chat with another mum who was pregnant with twins um and yeah I think that that was we mainly chatted through Facebook Mm -hmm. yeah um, back then and that was in 2013 and in November of that year our boys were born and shortly after their arrival 
I will never forget receiving a message from you, Elise, and it was the most devastating message. Um, and I know this is hard, but if you can, can you take us back to 2013 or wherever in your journey that you're comfortable starting with and share share with us what happened back then? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, so Chris and I obviously decided to start a family and whatnot. So um, we were trying to get pregnant and nothing was really happening. Took, yeah, I, you know, just nothing was going on. Um, went and saw fertility doctors and, well, actually just my GP who really had was not much help. So I went to a fertility doctor to see what was going on and um, it turned out I had um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is fine because it's a fairly easy um, fix in regards to trying to get pregnant. However, there is risk of um, multiples generally, um, which was fine. I was happy, you know, to take that risk. So we um, went ahead with some treatments, which wasn't IVF. Um, it was what they call like a monitored cycle. So I was just taking similar drugs to what someone would do for IVF to grow um, follicles and whatnot. Um, and then they just monitor ovulation, you do your thing and then come back and, and see how it works. So um, I think we did, I think it was the first cycle we did. And um, yeah, and we fell pregnant with twins, which I was sort of half expecting anyway, um, which was super exciting. And that was, I think in the August. And then um that wasn't long after when we started chatting about when you were pregnant with the boys and whatnot. It was, like you said, it was really nice to have someone else to talk to because not a lot of people had twins. Um, yeah. You no, know, I didn't I, know anyone. Yeah. No. So everyone sort of had one. So it is certainly, it's definitely a different pregnancy and journey. So it was nice to have someone to, to share that with too. Um, and then your boys were born in the November, which was so exciting. Um, and then my girls were due, when were they due? April. So we still had, still had a little while to go. Um, anyway, everything was progressing fine. Everything seemed completely normal. The pregnancy was fine. Um, I had just your general, I was just going through the public hospital. So just having the general scans and whatnot that you would have through them, which is usually a little bit more, as you'd know, with twins, cause it's a high risk, um, pregnancy. So there was a few more scans and stuff, but nothing out of the ordinary. Um, and I felt really, really good. I was still able to work out. I was going to the gym. Everything was, it was good. Um, and then come to the 22nd of December um so I was getting ready for Christmas and whatnot and I think we would me and Chris had gone shopping um so we were just like walking around you know getting the last minute things to get done and whatnot and um I was getting crazy people that are at shops (laughs) a couple of days before Christmas yeah yeah, that's that's definitely us I know it's ridiculous really (laughs) but that's us so we're there you know minding our business doing our thing and I was having um some I guess like kind of like period pain, cramps, I guess, but nothing nothing too crazy. And, again, one with pregnancy, you get – and anyone who's been pregnant, you know, you get random aches and pains, and especially with two, it can be mm. um, a little bit a little bit worse, I guess. So I sort of just put it down to that. I was like, oh, gee, and felt like they were moving, you know, they are moving heaps and just the, the pressure of having two babies in there too. So it would have been about um, 22 weeks at the time. Um, but otherwise and I felt okay. I was just going to – I was just going to say you're right. Yeah. I can remember as well, like you do have those – those aches and that stretching feeling across mm-hmm. your belly and there's all sorts of different pangs and you know I remember mm. even having aches in my ribs because one of the boys yep. was up so high like mm. you're just so used to aching I know and that's exactly right you just you sort of just like oh well it's just another pregnancy thing and mm. and especially like you said being two it just makes it all that more um worse I guess in that sense like you just expect it to be worse so I really just didn't think much of it and then um 
got home and it sort of continued. Um, I felt a little bit uncomfortable, but I was like, yeah, it's probably nothing. Um, and then we were about to go to bed. It was probably like nine o'clock. I think we're about to go to bed and, um, the pains were just getting sort of, again, I say worse, like they, they weren't bad, but it was just like a period pain. Um, so mm. I went to go to the toilet and then all of a sudden, um, my waters broke. Um, and I was like, you know, I didn't know what was going on. It was obviously very confusing. So I called an ambulance and did, went to the hospital. Did you know that your waters had broken, which might sound like a silly question, but did you know that's what had happened? Um, I was fairly certain of it um, because that's sort of what it looked like. I wasn't sure, but I was, I was, I was pretty sure like it, yeah, yeah. you could kind of tell just from what you've heard. Cause obviously I've never had babies, so I didn't know how, you know, what, how it all works. So yeah. That, I, was, I just, cause I haven't experienced and I've heard other women say that they didn't realize that it was their waters breaking or so mm. think it's, yeah. Yeah. No. I, yeah. I was, I was 99% sure. So I, I freaked out obviously. And um, we got an ambulance and whatnot, went to the hospital and um, we're sort of hoping that, um, you know, well, we didn't really didn't know what to expect because being a first time mum um, or first time pregnant, you, you, you really don't know a lot of the time. Like, I don't think we were well educated enough to really understand everything that was going on. Um, so mm-hmm. we sort of just was like, oh, well, you know, maybe the, they'll regenerate, you know, the waters will come back or I, like, we really didn't know what was going on. So we got there and, um, and prior sort of, to that, you didn't have, there was no indication up until that point nothing that anything was amiss yeah okay no nothing nothing everything um everything was fine so I'd had everything checked out you know I think so I was 22 weeks I'd had the 20 week scan two weeks prior and everything was perfect they were like yep everything's great so um yeah Yeah. we were just we were assuming everything was fine so we got to hospital and they had a look and they confirmed that definitely um twin ones waters had broke um and then they said we are fairly certain you're also in labor but we'll have to check um so they also checked my cervix they said yep your cervix is um I think it was about two centimetres or something like around those, around that mark. So my cervix was open and basically I was just in early labour. That's what had happened. Mm-hmm. My body had just gone into early labour. Um, so they said, we'll we'll sit on it. Sometimes it stops, but, you know, we just can't be sure. So let's just wait it overnight and see what happens and see what progresses. And if you get to, um, if it stops and you get to 24 weeks, we'll send you up to the MARTA because 24 weeks is the cutoff for um, basically when, they class a baby as viable, um, which I hate saying. It's a terrible thing to say, but that's that's what they say. So it is, but in their words, they're like 22 weeks is just not viable. Um, if you make 24, then there's definitely options, but until that point, there's really nothing more we can do for you. So um, just have to sit here and, and wait it out. So, um, we, you know. So you obviously like, stayed in hospital that night? Yep, so I stayed in hospital and then unfortunately it did just progress, like it just sort of progressed like any other labour, the, the pains just got worse and worse. Um, and I remember saying to them, like, well, there's two, and you know, there's two, like, and they're both in separate sacks. They weren't identical. They were, um, yeah, they were completely separate sacks and, and everything. Yeah, fraternal twins. So I said, well, what about, you know, is there a chance that one might be okay? And they said, well, um, sometimes you can birth one and the other one may may or may not stay but they said it is it's possible but it's rare um but again you're not going to know until un, until that point in time so just massive um, uncertainty yeah massive uncertainty um so yeah we spent the night in waiting to see what happened and yeah it slowly just got worse so we called family and let them know and they all came up to be with us um while we just basically waited it out um and during that time I had doctors come in and out to explain things to me because I I really just had no idea I, I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know what, you know, what the babies were going to look like. I didn't know what I wanted to do. It was all just so confusing. Um, we had oh, na- ideas. Massively of names. overwhelming. 
So much. Yeah, they just they come in with all this information. They're like, okay, so um, you're past 20 weeks now, so that means that these babies are, even though they're not viable, as in, we, you know, they, they can't survive life out of the womb, but they are classed as, which, again, it's so silly, they're classed as humans and, and babies now after 20 weeks, anything before 20 weeks. Um, they're still obviously babies and humans, but for whatever reason, 20 weeks is where they give them birth and death certificates and acknowledge, I guess, that they were born. So it's a it's it's a really it's a yucky area. It's a, yeah. It's awful. So, like, even a baby born, if they're born at 19 weeks, like, or 19 weeks and six days, they're not going to get a birth and death certificate. But if they're born born at 20 weeks, they will, which is just so – it just blows my mind that that's even a, a thing because they should all yeah. get a birth and they death certificate. It all counts. Yeah, of course. Exactly. Um, but that's – anyway, that's, that's how it is. I didn't know any of this. So they said to me, so – uh, because they're past 20 weeks, you'll need to name them because they have birth and death certificates. You'll need to organise a funeral. Um, you'll have to do every. And I, I was just sitting there like, what? I had, had no idea, you know what I mean? Like I, I couldn't believe A couple of hours did. ago I was at the shops. Yeah, I was at the shops. Yeah. Everything was fine. I, and now all of a sudden I've got to organise funerals and give birth to these babies. And it was just, yeah, it was just so Holy. much to take in. Um, and then they're throwing you, you know, here's support groups and here's this and you're still in labour and it was just... Um, it was full on, like just, yeah, it's hard even to imagine. Even, oh, it was crazy. So, um, anyway, so the labor just basically progressed and, um, and they were born. I ended up having them at about, I can't remember the exact time, but I think Tiana was born at 11.15 ish and then Lily come at 11.30. Um, so they were just born naturally. Um, goes like any other labor, pretty much exactly the same as any other labor term labor would. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, and we had to make a decision, you know, do, do you want to hold them? Do you want to see them? And during the, the sort of the labour, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought, oh, maybe I don't, you know, like I just I really didn't know what I wanted to do. But the hospital staff were very supportive. They're like, no, I think it's a good idea. You know, you you should see them and hold them and do the things you want to do with them. So, um, and Chris was very supportive in that too. So, and I'm really glad I did. I'm, I think I would have highly regretted not because some people just can't bear the thought, you know, they just sort of. I guess they think mm. I just I can't do it and that's fine too but um, we were lucky enough to be able to see them and hold them and spend some time with them so um, yeah and that's sort of the lead up to to their birth. Yeah it's, it's just I can't even imagine being in your shoes or Chris's shoes and as you said you know one minute everything is fine and you haven't mm. you know there's been no red flags raised throughout your pregnancy and no. then within the space of a couple of hours you're being told you know, words like viable and funerals mm. and you have to name, you know what I mean? And do you want to yeah. hold, like, that is mm. just so, so overwhelming. Um, and, yeah, I can only imagine. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, and, you know, uh, I know that you went through the process then of um, obviously grieving your beautiful mm. girls, having their funerals, um, having to tell everyone I can imagine would be something really confronting because it's the end of the year. Like not, not that the timing of the year matters, but you know, yeah, there would be so many people. Yeah. It's, you know, you know what I mean? Like every, you're seeing mm-hmm. more people than you would normally. How yes. did you, how did you approach sharing the news? Obviously you had your immediate family there, but yeah. how did you approach, I guess, sharing that news with your personal wider community? Um, I think so I sort of was just so out of it I couldn't do a lot so poor Chris had to sort of hold the fort and it tends to be the way with husbands which sucks for them because 
they're expected to sort of be the strong ones and and do all that but and generally mm-hmm. they you know they are able to and luckily he you know he he could do that for me so he he was the one who made most of the phone calls um originally obviously to our parents and our our close family and then when they were born I think the next morning um he sent a few messages around to just like close friends um that obviously would need to know and then I think I don't think we put anything on Facebook about it I thought I think it was more just word of mouth because I sort of just wasn't in a headspace to to deal with it like to send people messages and and explain to them so um I think a lot of it was a lot of people were sort of just dealing with Chris and talking to him and and whatnot so that was sort of more it was more just word of mouth that we'd tell you know we just said you know tell people who need to know and whatnot so Mm. um yeah and during that time obviously I can imagine that you as you said that you you just felt I'm guessing disconnected and out of it and you just had to go into survival mode what did those weeks look like for you you know was it a case of were you able to were you able to just I guess, surrender to the grief um, Mm. in a way and just take time to just be with just you and Chris? Like how did you, I guess what I'm asking is how did you cope? Yeah, it was, it was hard because like you said, the timing was obviously not ideal because it's Christmas. So everyone's just so happy and they're having the best time and Christmas is a, you know, everyone loves Christmas. So, and it's like, um, I imagine like it would feel like the world's just going on. You know what I mean? Like everyone's just getting on with their Christmas. And yet this yes. massively devastating things just happened to you. Yeah. yeah you, you're just sort of stuck. You just, you I remember sitting there thinking like, I can't, especially Christmas day, we sort of, we did see our, so they were born, they ended up being born on the 23rd of December. So, um, because I went into labor on the 22nd. So two days before Christmas and um, I went home Christmas Eve. So they were born the night time of the 23rd. So I went home, I stayed in hospital till the 24th and then went home and um, yeah, we sort of just, I was happy to just stay home. I I would have just been happy to sit in a little bubble at home and cry and, you know, and do all that. And Chris was like, come on, like, let's, you know, he sort of tried to encourage me to let's just go to our our parents' house, you know, like we don't have to venture far. We don't have to see anyone except for, you know, just those guys, which was probably a good thing. Like I was happy to just sit in a little ball and, and not see anyone and just sort of like, yeah, sit with my grief and cry and whatnot. Whereas he's like, you know, you've, you've got to get up, you've got to move and whatnot. And I think that was really the best thing for me at the time even though I might not have felt like it I think he was right putting one foot in front of the other yeah Yeah. so it was just little steps like um just seeing you know we just saw them for an hour or two here and there just enough that I could handle like I could only handle a little bit of time and I had to just go home and cry it out and do what I needed to do and then we do the same thing the next day like we might someone might come over as in like um was just literally our parents pretty much um and and do that we had a lot of friends um just drop off meals and stuff which was just so nice because again that's not something that you are really wanting to do like I didn't really want to eat either but you've got to um and it was nice to have people just sort of they didn't even you know they just were happy to just leave things in eskies at the door they didn't feel the need to come you know come and see me which was mm-hmm. kind of good because I just didn't want that at the time um yeah and I don't know you if would have been just using all of your energy just to survive let alone yeah you know you don't want to feel the pressure of having to put a mask on so I guess what you're sharing there about having smaller interactions like shorter windows um, and then also just allowing yourself to retreat when you need to retreat yes exactly that's Mm -hmm. that's exactly what I had to do and um, that sort of went on for a couple of weeks I guess oh I think I did venture out to the shop at one point just to I don't know feel a bit normal in a way but even though I didn't, but, you know, just to try and 
to get out and about. And I think I just went and got a few, you know, just bought a few things. I can't even quite remember, but I do remember going out and everyone was just so happy. And I was like, how are you people? So I don't understand, you know, like, but again, it's, it's Christmas. It was new year. Everyone's having the best time of their lives. And here I am walking around and people would have just seen me in this sad state, but had no idea what was Not going knowing. on. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's crazy to think that, you know, that, that probably happens to us. We probably see people in the same who've been through crap like that. And you just, you have no idea. Um, so I sort of, and I remember I, at one point I went up to buy something at a shop, I think, and, um, the lady's like, hi, how are you? And I was like, yeah, good, thanks. She's like, how was your Christmas? And I sort of just looked at her for a second and I thought, oh, I've got two options here. I can tell her the truth or I can mm. just lie and, you know, to not make her feel uncomfortable because I thought, you know, she's going to get really awkward and she probably doesn't want that. She's just doing her job and being happy, you know, just in retail. So I looked at her like, oh, it was, um, yeah, it was good, thanks. And she's like, oh, great, have a good year, bye. And I, I remember walking off and I felt guilty for not mm. telling the truth. But then I was like, well, I, I didn't want to make pe- people feel uncomfortable either. Um, and it's, it's hard when you're sort of in that spot. Cause you're like, I don't want to be like, it was fucking awful. Like, you know, I lost yeah. my, my, I lost my children and you know, blah, blah, blah. But people don't know how to deal with that. So often I, I'm one to just sort of maybe just say, Oh yeah, it was good. And just, just lie, which wasn't yeah. great, but it's sometimes again, survival mode. You just don't know what to do. So you just go, Oh yeah, good. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And and there's so many situations in life where we do just say good thanks and move on. But Mm. I can imagine that with the loss that you just experienced, it is that level of of guilt because you want to acknowledge acknowledge your beautiful babies. Mm. Um, And I think that acknowledging when people do go through a loss can be really powerful for them as well. But it does seem like it's a top, like it does seem like a conversation that people find really hard to have and understandably so because it's such a sensitive topic and you just never know you you never want to I guess upset or offend or Mm. you just you just don't know and everyone's so different um but yeah I think that we'll be able to touch on that a little more later on in your journey now I know that you were determined to fall pregnant again (laughs) And it wasn't too long after Tiana and Lily that you did, in fact, fall pregnant again. So can you share with us um, the next part of your journey? Yeah, so you're right. I definitely was pretty um, determined. I think I didn't know where to put my focus after having them because, like, normally, you know, you have your babies and, you know, anyone has their babies, that's straight away your focus is on them. So I sort of had... I didn't know what to do. Like I was like, what, what do I do with my time? Where do I put my focus, you know, to try and, and get through this grief? And I, whether it's the right thing to do or not, I don't know. But my focus is like, well, you know, we still want to get pregnant. We still want to have babies. Let's just, you know, jump back into it. And it took, it was about three months. Like it wasn't straight away. You know, I took a, a few months to, to, um, to grieve and do what I needed to do and, and whatnot. And then we, um, yeah, so we just sort of went back down the same path again of um, the fertility. And I'm fairly certain, again, it was the, pretty much the first time first go and we fell pregnant again which was really exciting and scary um and we were kind of hoping for one I guess um because we weren't sure exactly what caused us to lose the the girls um we were fairly certain it was something called incompetent cervix um but no one could really pinpoint they just said sometimes these things happen um which I don't know about the most frustrating answer yeah I know like you've just lost your babies and they're just like, oh, well, these things happen. Like I sort of couldn't Mm. take, 
like I don't know for an answer so I did a heap of research afterwards I was like there has to be an explanation like you know these things just don't happen how does a cervix just open how do you just you know go into labor and no one had mentioned incompetent cervix to me so um, I just did my own googling because everyone loves to google Um, so I got onto the google and I started putting it in you know symptoms and what happened and that's probably the one thing that stuck out to me because that was really the only thing that made sense um so I kind of diagnosed myself I guess and I was like yep that's what I've got so when we and so was that sorry Elisa cut you off was that before you fell pregnant again or like yes. did you have an understanding okay you did yeah so, then so you I felt- yeah that was well before like that was yeah in the months leading up to the boys I because I wanted to be prepared just in case you know could this happen again um what what can I do to prevent this so yeah definitely before I fell pregnant with them so um, you sorry I think we jumped ahead a little bit then because you mentioned the boys and we'd not yet shared you were hoping oh, yeah. <laughs> that's okay you, you um, were kind of thinking when you fell pregnant perhaps having just a singleton pregnancy would be better because you'd already done some googling and some research on incompetent cervix yeah. and you know having obviously a singleton baby would be less pressure less weight physically yes. on your cervix and less demanding and taxing on your body so if we can just even pause there for a second when you took your pregnancy test test and you realized you were in fact pregnant did you was it I'm guessing it was just that mixture of trepidation fear versus excitement mm. elation that you'd fallen pregnant again yeah that that's basically exactly it I think I I cried but I was because I was happy, but then I was and excited because I was like, oh, yes, but then I was nervous because we just didn't know. Like you take your pregnancy test and you don't know, is it one, is it two, is, you know, how's this going to go? Um, mm. You know, there, there's so much fear in it as well. So there's, it's, yeah, it's an unusual feeling um, the second time around because you just, you don't know. So, yeah, it was scary. Yeah, <laughs> and so then you your next move is to go and have a, a dating, or you probably knew how far along you were because it was kind of calculated to fall pregnant, but your next move would have been a scan, which would have revealed, in fact, it was? Twins, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, we did the scan. Uh, my fertility doctor and me and I were, um, yeah, we were hoping, we were hopeful for one, um, but we knew obviously there was a good chance of being two because when um, I was doing my my treatments, I still I had two follicles there basically. So um, there's not always an egg in the follicle. There may be, there may be not. Um, but we thought, you know what, let's just do it because you know I was just so determined and pretty much he couldn't tell me no. So um, yeah, we were we were hoping just one, but um, yeah, we found out it was two. And again, I felt excited there was two because I'd felt like I'd. I deserved that, you know, like I'd lost two and mm. so two would be good. But then, so, yeah. Yeah. But then on the other side of me, I knew that one was a better option for us in regard to incompetent cervix if that's what I had. Um, obviously, we weren't 100% sure, but, you know, I was fairly certain. Um, but, yeah, there was two. So it was like, all right, well, we'll just do this again and fingers crossed okay. basically. Um, and so during that pregnancy, I imagine there would have been added appointments and added monitoring even more so on top of just you know because as you mentioned earlier when when you are pregnant with multiples you're automatically classified as high risk and then having gone through losing um, Lily and Tiana I imagine there would have been even more monitoring Um, so how did you I guess mentally cope with all of that yeah it was it was tough so I think for me I exactly that I just wanted the best care and as much monitoring as possible because 
for me mentally that I knew that's what would help me. Um, mm. Just, you know, because the more you know, I guess, like knowledge is power. So the more I knew what was going on um, made me feel better. So I, I had a fertility doctor who I was seeing um, and he was happy to continue seeing me just on the side sort of thing. Um, I had... I booked into the hospital I was originally at, so I, I sort of was with those guys, and then I went and got my own um, private obstetrician who did um, the intermediate. Um, I remember we spoke about it years and years ago. Because we had the I same, we had same obstetrician, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, think I was talking yeah. to you about it, and he said he, you know, he did this intermediate thing because I don't think my healthcare was enough to cover like the pregnancy. So I was like, well, that's perfect because I can get the monitoring I need through a private obstetrician, um, but then, you know, birth in a public hospital, so it won't, you know, cost me millions of dollars and whatnot. So, mm. um, yeah, so I went and saw him and um, and that was really good. So I, I sort of was seeing him every month because I think that's generally how you go. So once a month with him and then once a month I would go and see so in between. So it was sort of every two weeks. So two weeks I'd go see Warwick, who was my fertility. He's an obstetrician as well. Um, I'd go see him. Then I, the two weeks later I'd have my appointment um with that doctor and then because you're in the hospital for whatever reason I'm not sure if you were the same but the hospital wanted to see me on the side as well um so mm. I was sort of doing three <laughs> I sort of had like three people on the go which rotation was, yeah yeah so it was full on it was really full on because I had appointments all the time but for me I was cool with that because that's what I needed because I thought the more monitoring I can get and the more opinions I can get I guess because not everyone was sure of what was going on so it's good to have different people I think um watching you so yeah I had all three of them on the go at the one time and in the hope that we would either come up with a solution or catch something if it was going to happen or what whatnot so um, so did you yeah, that, have that was it. I was just gonna say did you have um like when you were you know obviously the early weeks of um being pregnant with your twin boys did you have a I'm imagining there would have been a milestone that you just wanted to reach you know you would have wanted to just get to you know was there a certain amount of weeks that you were like if I could just get to this amount of weeks I'm going to mentally be able to relax a little more yeah I think for me my biggest goal was um the 22 week mark because that's when I had the girls so I thought let's get to I mean I took I had little like little steps so you know first was just getting to the dating scan and seeing you know if there was a heartbeat or two or whatever and then it was um you know your 12 week scan to make sure you know, there was all bits and pieces and babies were, babies were looking good and then 20-week scan. So I sort of had all those little bits in between, but my biggest goals were the 22-week mark to get past when the girls were born. Um, and then obviously my next major, major goal was that 24-week mark because that's that, you know, golden viable, viability yeah. date. Um, and I just knew that if I could hit 24 weeks, um, then there was, some, you know, if they were to come at least, there was something that could be done. Um, so, so that was where I was at with it. During all of your monitoring and your rotation with your three um, different specialists, how were things looking for you? Yeah, so everything was looking um, fine. I had spoken to um, all three of them in regard to my own diagnosis of incompetent cervix. Um, so at first I'd spoken to my, my fertility doctor originally because I, I knew that there was things that could be done um, to help prevent, you know, the cervix opening. So I spoke to him um, and then... I spoke to obviously the other um, obstetrician that I had and given that they were twins. So what they can do is if you are diagnosed with incompetent cervix, but it's really sad. They basically, you have to have two second trimester losses before anyone will technically diagnose it, which I think is disgusting um, because mm. why should you lose two babies? 
before someone says, okay, we, we'll look into this now. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's not fair. It blows my mind that that's even a thing. But anyway, um, I, you know, I said to them, look, I know that there's this thing you can have a, uh, like a stitch placed in the cervix to help hold it together. You know, is this something we, we should do? Is this going to help? Um, and pretty much everyone who I'd spoken to all said, look, one, we're not sure if that's what you had. And, you know, doing that does come with its own risks. Um, and two, because you've got twins, the statistics say, and again, I hate statistics, but, you know, statistics say um, that it doesn't help with twins. There's, there's literally no point, um, which I said, oh, all right then. So I guess, you know, they were the doctors and I had to had to believe them. So they said, let's just monitor. It's every two weeks. Let's just keep an eye on the cervix, see what's going on with it. Um, we won't go down the path of a stitch. And, you know, if something is to happen, then, you know, we'll discuss those options later on. Um, so I listen to them because they're doctors um yeah. and you know just hoped for the best basically so right and, and so as you did progress through pregnancy can you share with us a little bit more about what happened as you got towards obviously that 20 week mark you would have had your um the morphology scan mm-hmm. yeah so I had the um so everything again was looking fine babies were fine um I got to the 20-week morphology scan and the first thing I said was like, check, you know, check the cervix. Let's see what the length is on it. Let's make sure it's okay. And um, I, I was asking that throughout the pregnancy a, a bit, not heaps, but I was definitely asking. Um, and at 20 weeks, it was fine. Um, I think it was four centimetres well, where you would expect it to be at that mark. So they're like, yep, it looks fine. Everything's good. Um, and I remember after I would um, had the girls, that was one thing I did go back and check on when I had my 20-week scan because – I didn't know anything about the cervix when I had them. Like, it, you know, like you sort of no. just, you can just carry on with your pregnancy and they just tell you things are good. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I really didn't know much. And cervix was not something that was on my mind at that time. Um, mm. So I couldn't have told you what the length was then because I never asked. But then I went back and had a look. And when I'd had them the two weeks prior to that, my cervix was, you know, four centimetres and close and, and no, you know, not showing any signs of any issues. So um, I was in the same boat again at the 20 weeks um, with the, with um, the boys so that was that was fine that that's when I, that, I was having boys as well and um, I guess that would have meant that you weren't actually comforted by the fact that it was four centimeters of that 20-week scan once you went back and realized oh it was the same with the girls yeah I yeah that's exactly right I was still like yeah I was still on edge like I was, I was happy to know that it was at a good length but again that didn't seem to mean much given what had happened two weeks later so that was where I was a bit mm. like oh you know we'll just have to watch it so um yes I had that everything was fine um and then I'd also done a bit of research again on on symptoms and whatnot to look for like sort of to look for um and again I hadn't really noticed anything that had changed and then probably when did I get to I think I got to so I wanted to scan right on the 22-week mark, pretty much when I'd had the girls, I wanted to scan that day just to, just for my own peace of mind, just to know that things were um, okay. So I had a scan booked for that day. Um, I think that was with my um, fertility obstetrician doctor. Um, but in the week leading up to that, I I was a little bit sick. I had like, I felt like I had like a flu, I guess. Like I had sore, you know, I had a bit of aches and pains. My lower back was a little bit sore, probably the two days leading up to it. Um, and probably the week prior, I did notice a different change. This is going to re- sound really gross, but anyone who's had kids knows um, in like the discharge, I guess, like there was just, it was different um, yeah. to what it normally was. And I thought, oh, I wonder if that's something of concern. I remember texting one of the OBS and I just said like, I've noticed this. Um, 
you know, is this to be concerned about? It's slightly different, blah, blah, blah. And he replied back. He said, no, you know, these things, you know, that happens in pregnancy. Things change, so I, I wouldn't be concerned. And I said, oh, all right, then, you know, again, I wasn't sure if I should Something was telling me. Push that the it wasn't issue, right. yeah. Yeah, something was telling me. But again, I sort of was, I'm just, I'm a pretty chilled, laid back person. So I went, well, they're the doctor, they know. So I was like, yep, all right, he must know. Um, so I just sort of went, that's cool. And I knew I had a scan coming up in about, you know, four days, I think it was. So three to four days. So um, I thought, well, at least I've got that coming up. Um, so then the day of my scan come, and I didn't go to work that day because I, I was feeling a bit off. Um, and I had a, my lower back was a little bit sore, but again, it was my back, so I was not really thinking too much about it. Uh, I wasn't having cramps or anything like that. Um, so I, I took myself up to the um, was sort of just near the Mater Mother's Hospital up there is where he was seeing. So I went in there to see him and um, Chris come with me, and he's like, "Hey, feeling?" I said, "Yeah, all right." You know, he's like, "All right, let's check. Let's see what's going on." He he was aware of the day, like he knew it was a bit of a um, a scary moment for me so milestone, we were just yeah. a bit of a milestone so he was really chilled and just trying to keep things relaxed and uh, scan the babies yep they're looking good and he's like all right so then he went to sort of have a look at the cervix and the scan and um, immediately I knew something wasn't right he just sort of he was looking at it for a bit and he wasn't saying anything and I was like was everything okay and he's like um I'm not sure I just can I just have a you know he's sort of just like let me just have a little bit more of a look so he was scanning he goes all right and he sat down with us and said, I, I think um, your cervix has opened slightly. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I just looked at him. And I wasn't, at this point in time, I wasn't in labour and no waters had broke. So I guess we were ahead in that respect. But the fact that I now had no cervix was, I just, I couldn't believe it. Like I was like, you're joking. On the exact same day, the exact same day as the just girls, it- it's happening again. <laughs> It would have been such a shock. And is that, did you feel shocked and removed or were you instantly just like in that moment, I'm just trying to picture being in that moment. Were were you overcome with emotion at hearing that news or were you more like, okay, so this is what it is and what do we do about it? Were you more, yeah, I guess, like how how did you respond? That's pretty much what it was. I just thought, well, well, I could think was, well, my waters haven't broken. I'm I'm not in, well, I was fairly certain I wasn't labor. I wasn't having pain. So that was, I was thinking, good, well, we're slightly ahead. Um, and he, he was really great. He said, let me do an internal, let me see what, where we're at. Um, cause I'll get a better picture and we'll, and we'll go from there. So he had a look and he said, look, it's definitely, your cervix is definitely open, maybe a centimeter. Um, he's like, now this isn't the end of the world. This doesn't mean that, you know, the babies are coming necessarily. Um, so let me make some hosp- like calls. We've got to get you into hospital and, um, we'll, we'll see, you know, take it from there. So he was really, he was really good at keeping me calm. I think, um, you know, to know that this wasn't the end and that, it wasn't ideal, obviously, but it may not be worst case scenario. So um, he made some calls and sent me off to the the martyr. Um, so I went in there and because um, he wasn't my, I wasn't going privately through him. So sort of the martyr pro, um, public hospital took over my care. Um, so I went in to see them and they were probably not as optimistic as he was. Um, they sort of come in and had a look at the scans and sat with me and just said, look, there's really not a lot we can do for you. And I said, well, there has to be something. I mean, I know you can put a stitch in. I, I've read that there's, you know, emergency stitches and whatnot. Like there's, there's got to be something. And they threw the whole, well, you know, it is twins and, and whatnot. Um, so they, it comes with risks. And I said, I'll, I'll take risks. Like it's either that yeah. or I'm probably going to lose them. Just do you know? something. Like, yeah. It helped me. Yeah. Be something. You can't just say nothing. Like there's nothing you can do. Um, so they said, all right, well, that was like bar- I felt like I was bargaining with them because I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to just, you know, sit and cop no for an answer. So 
um, they said, all right, how about this? Because um, I don't know, it was probably about 8 o'clock at night by the time we got to this point and, and they said, look, we don't know exactly whether, you know, you could have an infection, that's why this is happening, we're just not sure. They said, let's take a swab, see what's going on, wait till the morning. If um, nothing has happened, the cervix is no, isn't not open anymore and, you know, you, you haven't got no, any infections or anything, we'll do a, an emergency um, saclage, they call it, so stitch. Um, yeah. So I said, well, all right, I guess that's all I can do is agree with them. At least they were trying to help me out in a way. So, um, yeah, we did that, waited overnight, which was pretty scary. Um, doctor come in, had a check, said, yep, look, nothing looks as though it's changed. Let's go in, let's do it. So I said, right, excellent. So we went in. Um, they knocked me out and they um, they did the stitch to hold, you know, to try and put it back together. And when I come back to the, the room and they said, look, everything went well, because there's also a risk given that my, my cervix was open that they could also rupture membranes, like, because it's so close to, um, so close to everything. So. such a delicate procedure, I can oh. only imagine, because even when yeah. you said, like, it was opened one centimetre, you know, one centimetre, one centimetre sounds so small, but when you're talking that your cervix is four centimetres, you know, that's a quarter, you know what I mean? Like it's... Exactly. Oh, and trying imagine. to pull that, they, they're trying to pull something together that's not really there, you know, like it's not... Yeah. It's open. So they're trying to sort of force it to, together and, um, yeah, so I come back and they they were like, you know, everything went well, um, No, there's no rupture of membranes, um, everything was looking good. They said it was probably more like two centimetres when they got in there by that point in time, so it was a tad harder than they had expected it to be. But at this point in time it was closed um, and we will – and basically let's go on bed rest and see what happens. So I think I spent a couple of days in hospital just – like I didn't get I think all I got up to do was go to the toilet and that was it I didn't I was like I'm not even gonna shower like I'm just gonna lay yeah here. yeah um so I spent a couple of days in um then they sent me home they said look given that again you're still under that viability at this point I was probably getting close to the 23 week mark they said go home rest um and I can't remember where we were going to go from there I think maybe they wanted me to come in once a week or something and see how it was going but I didn't want to go but at the same time, I guess, like they said, there was really nothing more they could do for me unless something was going to happen. There was probably no point in me being hospital. I might as well be at home and resting, you know, in my own environment. So, um, yeah, I was sent home and I did the same thing at home. I just, I laid, I, I think I showered maybe every two days or something. Like it was, it was all I could bear to get up the for. And very just bare minimum, yeah. Absolute bare minimum. Like I'd get up for the toilet, that was it. I, I drank, you know, anything I ate, drank, I did everything laying down. I didn't even sit like I just I just wanted to lay because I just thought this is the yeah, I've just got to weight off the cervix yeah yeah um they don't suggest like I, don't, I think a lot of the research suggests that bed rest doesn't help a lot um but okay. at the end of the day I, I to me it makes sense like you're taking the weight off surely surely it has to do something so mm-hmm. um that's what I wanted to do um so I think I spent about a week at home um and then I sort of just got to a point where it was starting to get a bit too much for me. So we went in for a, a checkup and um, I, th- I think it was because I, ha- I was like, oh, has my, something's happened, has my water broke? I don't know. I was, just, I was freaking out. So we went in and um, they decided it was best for me to just stay in the hospital because I just mentally couldn't cope with being at home, just not knowing, you know, like, and we live a good oh my gosh. 45 minutes away. So just the anxiety, for- of course, you'd want to be, you'd want to be, you'd want to have yeah. just an expert just standing by you at every single minute. Yeah. Like, That's exactly you're like, right. I've been here, you know, yeah, it would just be awful. And yeah, so was that around, was that getting closer to the 24-week mark? Um, yes, yeah, so I think that was around 23 and 2, 23 and 3 days. So we, we were getting there. We were getting really, really close. 
Um, and then so I, yeah, I went back into the hospital. They just said, right, okay, let's just keep you in. Let's just keep you here um, till at least 28 weeks. So if I can get to 28 weeks, that's when they would suggest possibly sending me home because at that point, you know, babies have such a high rate, rate of survival that if they were to come, um, it wouldn't you be as bad. You could get to the hospital, yeah. Yeah, I could get to the hospital. It won't be as awful. So, um, so I said, all right, that sounds good. Let's do that. So th- they pretty much – because no one really knows 100% a, heaps about it. It's still a very unknown topic and how to approach it, especially when you're at the point I was. Um, so really it was just like every day they'd come in, they're like, you're still pregnant? Sweet cool excellent okay cool we'll see you tomorrow because that's the goal that was just the goal to stay pregnant that's all we yeah. wanted to do um the doctors were not keen on really looking touching doing too much they just thought the more we leave it um you know the better it will be so let's just do that so that was all going well um and then i think i got to 23 and i think it was 23 and four days about two two or three days later i think it was um a doctor come in who'd been on leave. I think she was the one, I don't think she did the stitch, but she was the one looking after me. And she's like, oh, I don't know. I kind of want to have a look just to see. Um, but I'm, you know, I don't really know. And she's like, oh, look, I'll just do a quick internal and we'll just sort of, I just want to make sure the stitch is still holding. Everything's fine. I said, oh, all right, then if that's what you want to do again, doctors know best. So um, she did a super quick internal. She's like, yep, everything looks good. You know, I can still see it's closed. I'm happy. I was like, cool. Excellent. Um, so she, that was sort of in the morning. And then she left and then um, it was probably about a bit after lunchtime. I thought I was just going to get up to go to the toilet and I stood up and immediately I stood up and my waters broke. And I knew it was, that's exactly what that gush, like it was just that gush of water just come out because I thought I was that. And I was like just freaked out. I ran to the toilet, pressed the button to try and get someone to come in. I was bawling. I was like my waters broke, like we're so close like we've got like two days to 24 weeks and in in the time which I forgot to mention during that time I was in bed rest in the hospital I had um like the neonatal care specialist coming in every day um and they're talking to me so at 23 weeks they're like here's your survival rate at 22 weeks or 23 weeks and one day here it is and 23 weeks and two days here it is um and Mm. they so you're literally just crossing down the days going I need like I need to get through today I need to get through today yeah Right. And, and just watching the clock because I couldn't do anything else. And, and it was awful because they're telling you, like, they want to tell you the risks involved because you need to make a decision. Do you want to resus or not? And that's essentially what they want to know, because if I was to go into labor really quickly or whatever, they need to know whether I've chosen to resus or not. So they have teams ready to go or not. So I had to make a decision basically like they'd I'd be like um all right well can come see me tomorrow like what and, the odds are today yeah 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 basically um so I think that come see me and I said to them I know 24 weeks is viable but look can we say all right if they're born at 23 weeks and six days recess if it's before that we won't if it's 23 six days let's do it and they were like all right that's your decision I said yep and they're like okay cool that's your decision I've, I've read the risks I know what's involved um let, let's let's do that. So, um, this was 23 weeks and five days. I think I was at that point. And I thought, Oh my God. So again, I wasn't in labor, but my waters had broke. Um, and you've been there before, you know, like I can, yeah. I can only imagine you're going fuck like yeah. how, like how can this be happening to us again? It, that, yeah, that's, that's exactly what it was. I, I just, yeah, I, I couldn't believe we were there again. So, um, they took me, so I was sharing a room with someone. They ended up giving me my, my own room, which I think was a good idea. Um, and they, they did a scan and they were like, okay, yep, definitely waters have broke. There's still some there, but it's broken. However, you know, you're not in labour. So 
it can regenerate, it can fix itself. Um, you know, people have, have gone weeks with having their waters broke. So really now we're just monitoring it and making sure there's no infection because that's then the, your biggest concern. The next risk, yeah. Yeah, so I said, all right, well, and the nurses were amazing. You know, they're like, it's okay. Like, you know, I've seen people in here on bed rest who've had waters broke for four weeks, you know, like it's it, you could get further, it's okay. So like radio, so um, that was sort of in the afternoon night got through that night, got to the next day, same thing, everything was fine. Um, and then they wanted to scan. I don't know why, for some, whatever reason, they wanted to do another scan. I can't even really remember why. I was 30, yeah, 23 weeks and six days. So they took me down. That was in the afternoon, checked babies, everything's looking good. Waters was, you know, the same situation. Um, brought me back up. And then I remember starting to feel those cramps start. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. And I didn't say anything. I sort of just sat on it. And I said to Chris, I think I'm in labour. And he's like, are you joking? I said, no, nah, I can just feel, you know, because I've done it before, so I knew. And I said, I'm, yeah. I'm fairly certain. Um, so I called a nurse in and she gave me some drugs to sort of help stop it. That didn't work. Um, and then, again, it just progressed. It was exactly the same as the girls. It just progressed like any other labour, um, just a lot quicker this time. Um, so they called up people, yep, definitely in labour. Because I was 23, 23 weeks and six days on the dot, I'd, I'd wanted resus from then, so that was exactly. the decision yeah. to do that, um, which was kind of lucky, I guess, because had it been the day before, you they just wouldn't made have made it. Just yeah. made that that cut off. So um, yeah, so we went basically went down to labour and delivery, um, and I think yeah, I was sort of like mid to the labour. I ended up getting an epidural because they said it, they suggested it was a good idea, um, just given everything that was probably going to go on. So there's millions of people in the room, um, and then while I was in there they were just sort of doing internal because the stitch was still at this point. So they wanted to try and um, see what was going on. Was it ripped? Can they get it out? What was going on? So they were sort of doing that. And in the middle of doing that, um, the doctor sort of had this look on her face and then she said to me, oh, I've got some news. Um, she said twin one, twin one's cord has basically prolapsed. So it's come down first before the baby. And that's, um, that's bad news. Like that's never Basically, that's never good news and most babies won't survive that that happening. It can happen at term, but it's rare because the babies are so much bigger. But because he was a lot smaller, they just said they pretty much were just like, yeah, that baby's probably not going to survive. And then they just – that's pretty much how they put it. Just, this baby's probably not going to survive and just went, we'll just give you um, some time to take that in. We'll leave and we'll come back in a minute. And I was like, um, oh sure. Gosh. Uh, right, so you've okay. had a, you've had an epidural at that point, and then they're telling you that, and then they leave the room. Yeah, they just said your baby, your twin ones, <laughs> not going to survive. And I was like, uh, I, I didn't know. I just was like, what? Yeah. What? What do you? Yeah. What how do you, do you even process that amongst I'm all not, the chaos? Well, exactly. I'm not prepared for this. Like, I'm prepared mm. for resource. This is what I I wanted. So anyway, I had massive, obviously meltdown and and whatnot. And then Chris is like, we have to stay calm. Like, you've still got another one in there you know you've got to just Holy you've just got to get through this so yeah so it was it was just insane so the nurses and doctors all come back in they're like all right you know I've dealt I haven't dealt with it I'm still trying to figure out what's going on but you know I've just got to focus focus on what was going on and, and push through so um yeah we started I think the pushing stage for twin one and I specifically remember um someone come in from the neonatal care so they had two teams ready they weren't they didn't realize at this point and someone come in to say, like, you know, we have two teams ready to go. And I remember one nurse just yelling. She's like, there will be no resus on twin one. I've already said that. Oh There's God, no resus on twin one. And I'm like, 
for God's sake. Don't have to be so blunt about it. Like, I mean, I know that there's a lot going on, but far out. So it's your baby. It's your baby. I know. It was just, it was insane. So, um, that went on. So my twin one was Jet. He was born. Um, and then the next step was trying to keep twin two who's tie in as long as possible. So we had, um, I had a, a drip in me that had um, magnesium is what they give to babies. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think it's for brain development, um, mm-hmm. but they like to keep that in as long as possible to try and give them as much of that as they can. So the, I think they needed at least three hours and I mean, and, and this had been only going on for a couple of hours. So he sort of had, wasn't going to get enough, but we were just like, all right, let's just see how long twin two can stay in for. Like I didn't need to push like every enough. minute counts. Every minute counts. Let's just wait and see. And cause I had the epidural, I couldn't quite tell. Um, so I sort of got to spend a bit of time with jet and give him a, a cuddle and stuff while we were waiting. And then all of a sudden, um, a doctor was like, no, nah, I don't know. I can't remember what happened, but basically this other doctor come in who I hadn't even seen. I don't know who it was. I can't, he just went, ah, no, I've got to get twin two out now. Um, get the team oh ready. God. And I think what had happened in the meantime between Jet being born and Ty still being in there is the neonatal, neonatal team left because they thought, no, there was no resource. So then they're yelling because they're like, oh no, there's still another one. So they got them back down as fast as they could. And that was sort of at the time when the doctor was like, no, nah, this other twin needs to be born. So, um, he pretty much just broke my waters, shoved his hand in and, and pulled him out. It was just like this very fast and quick thing that happened. And all of a sudden he was out. And um, I remember just sort of seeing someone take him around this sort of, they have like a door and this little thing. And he went around there and I didn't really know what was going on. I just knew that he, he was taken away. And um, and, and were you still everyone... holding Jet? Like, were you able to hold Jet for long? Like, like uh, how? Not at I that time. I can't even I... imagine. I gave him a cuddle for for maybe five or ten minutes and then they took him away once things started to get um, a little bit more hectic. So yeah. they just took him and, put, you know, wrapped him and placed him into one of the cots while um, all the other stuff was going on. And then um, it was probably a good 45 minutes or an hour after Ty was born that we finally got to have him back because obviously they needed to do what they normally do after yeah. you've had a baby and checkups and whatnot. So, um so, yeah, and no, I didn't get to hold him through that process, but then, you know, we did get him back um, not too long afterwards. So um, Chris went with Ty to see what was going on with him and come back and, you know, just told me that they'd um, intubated him and he was as good as he could be at that at that point in time. So, um, so yeah, that's pretty much how that went down. And, um, yeah, and then I got to, um, after sort of everything was done and dusted in the, in the um, labour delivery room, they took Jet away for a bit um, and then took me up to see Ty in the special care ward just briefly um, and to sort of explain what was going on. And then, yeah, and that was it. And then I was up back up in my room and trying to oh comprehend gosh. what had just happened. It, it must crazy. have just been like, I'm, <laughs> I just can't even imagine how you actually cope with that, how you don't just shut down in that moment of having that news that, you know, Jet's not going to survive and then having the harshness, mm. you know, the the business, not I don't want to say business as usual, but, you know, the, the way that um, I guess some of the staff mm. were speaking and then having delivered Ty and then Ty going to special care but also understanding he's born so, you know, they're both so, born so early and yeah. you've had you've had all of the stats drilled into you. So you're not this time, like, you know what I mean? Like you have your eyes 
I guess, opened a little bit more. But, of course, you must have just had so much hope in your yep. heart for Ty as well. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not going to ask you how you did it because I think it would actually <laughs> be near impossible to answer. But during that time when Ty was in special care, um, or is it the NICU? Um, yeah, the NICU, yeah, yeah. So near yeah, the NICU. Care. Yeah. yeah, so how long, how long was he... How long was he there for? Um, so he he was there for for five days, and then he um, so we went yeah, we, like we went back up to the ward and everything. And I spent four days in the hospital. I mean, I could have gone home, you know, within a day, um, but they were understanding that I didn't want to go far from my baby. I wanted to be there as well as um, Jet too, because he was he was there as well. So I sort of wanted to be able to see them both as much as I could. Um, so I, it was yeah, it was hard because you you've got one baby you're grieving for and one that, that you're trying to fight fighting for. for their life yeah. yeah um so I had to go through it was hard because you he needed so Ty needed obviously breast milk and food so I had I mean my milk come in like normal I had to um to mm. express to keep up with the demands for what he needed so you're trying to do all that normal stuff that you would even you know any baby that's in special care or with you um but then trying to make time for your other baby who you're grieving for. Yeah, was, and just to mentally, was, mentally yeah, and was, physically to cope with both of that. You had to, I sort of had to just say, right, it sounds just crazy. Thing, but like, okay, during the day I'm going to go down with Ty, I'm going to do what I need to do. And then at night time um, I get Jet with me and that was my time to spend with him. So I sort of had to, you know, compartmentalize. Make, yeah, just this is what I'm going to do here and this is what I'm going to do here. I, it was sort of the only way I could cope with it and figure out how to make time for both of them. Um, just such a hideous decision to have to try and make. It's a hideous oh, thing to even just try and compartmentalise, I can only imagine. Oh, it was it was awful. So we, yeah, so that's sort of just how it went for the two days. And, you know, I had family um, and some friends come and visit, which was really nice. So if they were willing to meet Jet, I like I was happy for them too. Um, some did, some didn't. It was, you know, it was entirely their decision because it's not it's something that people. It's not an easy thing to do. So you know, no. if they they wanted to, um, I was totally cool with that. And if they didn't, that was fine. I had a couple of fam, like some family, come down and see Ty in the NICU as well. So that was really nice to be able to, you know, bring people down. You have to be very careful with it, obviously, because they're so little. But you know, just one at a time and stuff. So we did that for the few days, and um, everything was looking quite good. Ty was doing pretty well um, how much and, did he weigh Elise how much did Ty weigh um he was 616 grams and he was about oh 30 centimeters 30.5 centimeters long so mm. um yeah t- like unbelievably small you just can't even you just can't even yeah. imagine how little so uh, but yeah he, he was doing really well and um and then I was discharged on so he would have been five day four or five days old he, lived, he must have been four days old so I went home and um, everything was, yeah, like I said, looking okay. They were a little concerned about a couple of things, but um, they were just going to monitor it and see what was going on. So I went home and I was ringing up through the night because, you know, as you do, checking how is he, what's going on. Um, and then we came back um, that day and they said, oh, actually, no, it must have been the second day. We must have gone home on day three. I can't quite remember. It's all such a blur. Basically, I come back and... They said, look, his things aren't looking too great. Um, he's We're not too sure what's going on. He's got some sort of um, infection, but we just don't know what it is at the point this point in time. So we're just going to take a 
like grow a culture and see if we can figure out what what it is um you know his his intubation so he needed to go back up to like say 80 percent or 90 percent um or whatever it was um that he needed so he was slowly going downhill um so they said we'll wait we'll wait and see what's going on um they didn't tell me a lot they were just trying to keep me calm I think um and then they said to me other doctors will want to see you probably tomorrow and I said to them no I, I need to see them now like if if there's something seriously going on, I need to know now because I need to start preparing. I need to know what's going to happen. Um, so they said, all right, well, we should have, you know, results back soon and, and we'll get the doctors to come and see you. So and I can imagine us- at this at this point in time, everything that you've been through, there's no amount of reassuring or, you know what I mean? Like you've already had yep. people tell you to wait and wait it out. And, you know, you never know. Yep. It could be fine. So I'm imagining that you're, you know, you just, you're losing faith. Yep, I was. Yep, exactly mm-hmm. right. And I just, I just wanted, I wanted the truth, but I also, you know, you wanted it told to you gently, but you needed to know exactly what was going on. So, um, yeah, the doctors took us in. They said um, basically that we've, we've done. They did lumbar punctures on him, which is just an awful thing to think about at such a little mm-hmm. age. But they did, and they said, um, yep, it's come back positive for um, meningitis, and mm-hmm. we are fairly certain it's gone to his brain and whatnot so um they said that you know basically I have two options I can we can wait and just see what happens um and watch you know watch him or you can let him go it's entirely up to you they said that um you know he they can't really give you any definite prognosis obviously but you could Mm. already see the effects of it like his little hands were starting to go a bit funny um and you could just see that it wasn't good. Like they, they were going to do a brain scan to see um, what was going on as well. But you, I could tell. Like I just but you knew. knew. You knew, yeah. Yeah, I knew. Um, so they just sat with us and said, you need to make a decision and you need to – you don't have to make it right now, uh, obviously, but soon because they said he he may go on to survive this, but you don't know what implications it's going to have for him. He may not walk. Mm-hmm. He may not talk. He may not um, – you, you just don't know. It could be minor or it could be – quite severe disability um and they said you and your husband you know me and chris had to talk it out because do we want to so know, many decisions yeah. put him through a life like that um because it changes everything for you like i may ne- never work again i you know financially how do we afford it but then they said if you decide to let him go now you know then you've also got to be okay with that because you know i've seen family split up because someone's like well you wanted to well you know they didn't make the decision together so oh there's no good outcome in that situation no. no there's not at all um so you have to just be united I guess in that sense with your decision and be 100% sure that you're both on the same um the same page I guess page, yeah. yeah so we decided to it was easier for him to go um which sorry get me on him I'm sitting here in tears, so I can only imagine having to, and you know what, that's a decision that would have just come from pure love of looking at your baby, and that would have been, like, your situation, that would have been the fucking last thing you wanted to say, you know, there's, there's, there's no way that you would imagine having to make that choice, or in any circumstance that you would have to utter those words. But that no, mothering love, like yeah, that mothering love, knowing I can't put my baby through any more suffering. Yeah, it's a that's really exactly self- what it was. 
you know, yeah. and you just, you don't know. Like I, I didn't want him to live a life of, you know, being in a wheelchair or, um, um, you know, not being able to play, like to play and whatnot. So there's so many things that you just wouldn't know. And it's not even, you know, you don't know what the quality of life would be like. And of course there are millions of people out there who have disabilities and they live really full, wonderful yeah. lives, but you just don't know what the actual prognosis is, but also, Exactly. Hearing you speak and saying like his little hands and yeah. like, you knew you knew you that did, you, oh yeah you knew and um, I'm sure there would have been you know I, I don't know um you know your faith and your beliefs but I imagine that there would be some level of knowing you know what my little you know Ty needs to go and be with his brother now yeah, and yeah, there with was his that sisters too. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. It's yeah, yeah, it was not an easy decision, but um we that's yeah, that's what we decided to do and um and it was you know, it was for the best, I think. Um for him like you'll never know. You know, you've got the what ifs all the time like what if I hadn't or you, you know, maybe talk I should, to you know, yourself with those. But yeah, it's hard, you know, you, was I being selfish, was I not? Like you just you, you don't know, but at the end of the day that was the decision that was made and you know, like I'm at peace with that now because I have to be, um, but it's never okay. Like it'll never be okay. Um, no, of course not. Like as I'll we said, there's absolutely no outcome in that situation, um, you no, know, other no than an absolute miraculous disappearance of meningitis, you know, I, other I, than that, there's nothing that was going to come out of that, you know, no. awful situation at all. So no. you had you had five days with Ty. Yeah. And, um just I can only imagine the roller coaster of extreme emotions in fact I don't even think I can imagine you know I can sit here and say oh I can't imagine but <laughs> I can't because you just yeah. uh, until you live it you've got no idea no. um and I'm sure that it's something that only yeah you can't even put into words but I would just I wanted to ask how did you want people to treat you and Chris after the loss of your fourth baby you know it's not even about you know your fourth it's just how did you want people to treat you and the reason I wanted to ask this question Elise in particular is I feel as though a lot of people um, get more tangled up in their own discomfort or a projection of what they imagine the other person might be feeling but I know you know I remember even after you had the girls like I think um I sent you a message on Mother's Day just saying, like, happy Mother's Day. Yeah. And you just, you just don't know what the right thing is. And, of course, for each family it's different. But for your family, what did you want from those around you? Um, it's, it's hard to – I sort of just wanted, um, I guess, like, acknowledgement, you know, that I was a mum and that I had had, you know, that I'd had four babies and even though they're not here, you know, they – you know, I, I did everything that anyone else would. I, I was pregnant. Still a I went mom. through labor. Yeah, you're still a mum. Like I think the difference when they're not with you is you, you're not a, a parent, I guess. So you're still a mum. You're still a dad. You just you're not a parent because you haven't got a child to parent, I guess, in front of you. Um, so I think it was more just that and just knowing that you supported. You know, knowing that people cared. Like they don't have to really say. I didn't really need anyone to say anything. It's just knowing that if I needed to talk to someone, you know, someone would be there for me. Um, just letting you know, like letting us know that they cared, um, was really the biggest thing. And like you said, that kind of stuff, like mother's day, you know, getting a message on mother's day was just so nice. Cause some people forget, or, you know, like you said, they feel awkward cause they don't know 
they don't know what to say, but just even just a message saying like thinking of you or, um, you know, happy Mother's Day or something like that. Like it may not, it may not be happy, but you're still acknowledging just the fact thinking that you're of a mom. you. Yeah, that you're a mum. Yeah, or yeah. just just thinking of you. Um, it's just just things like that, I guess, and not being forgotten because I think, like you said, people in death in general, people are very uncomfortable with, um, particularly children because it's just so out of the norm. It's not the normal thing to to happen. No. So. Um, yeah, not not disappearing, I guess, is all you want. Just people to sort of – I just wanted normality in a way um, yeah. as well as them being remembered. Like I didn't have to go into detail. One thing I did want to do is I wanted to tell people what had happened or I wanted to talk about my birth because people talk about their births and, you know, that seems to share be – Share their birth story. Yeah, yeah, and I wanted to share my birth story of what happened and, and some people were cool with it and some people, you know, didn't want to, didn't want to know and that's fine too. Um, but, yeah, just – as long as people don't Having run, the option run a hot to talk. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's all it is, really. I think that's going to be really, really valuable um, for our, our community to hear that because it is. It's just just remembering remembering that, you know, if yeah. someone in your life has gone through it, it's, it's fucking huge and they might want to talk about it and holding that yep. space for them, if you can, is a big thing. Um, yeah. And you know, we, I feel like we could talk for hours and hours and hours and hours, but <laughs> I'm, mind, I'm mindful um, that we are on a bit of a time limit, both of us. Absolutely, but yeah. I wanted to um, to just say, you're just so amazing. <laughs> I'm just sitting here listening to you and like, just, I know, I'm sure that everything you've gone through, having someone tell you that you're amazing actually isn't worth <laughs> that much, but it's just inspiring so- how... Even just your ability to say, no, I want a stitch. And, yeah, no, yeah. You, know, you know, I just, I think it's it's incredible. And I know that you and Chris, um, you know, you stayed united during what must have been incredibly dark mm. times. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it just would have been so unimaginable. And I know that you went on to fundraise and help other families can you share some of, um, I guess, some of those actions that you took and then also let us know where you went to from there as well? Um, yeah, so I put a lot of focus because, again, like I had nowhere to put my focus. So this time I, I needed a bit of a break from trying to get pregnant, I think, and whatnot. So I uh, put my focus into fundraising. So I fundraised for something called a cuddle cot. Um, it's not something I knew about after the girls, but I, I did know about it um, I found it after I'd had the girls, I should say, and I knew about it for when I had the boys. Um, so basically what they are is a kind of like a bassinet with a cooling system in them. So um, they've got these cooling pads that sit underneath sort of the bassinet, I guess, that you can put the babies on to keep them cool so that, you know, you can keep them with you long, like a longer a longer amount of time rather than you them having to be taken yeah, right in the next room to you. with you. Yeah. Um, whereas when I had the boys, I did ask for one because I knew about it at the time. Um, but well, Jet in particular, because um, I was still in the hospital and really sadly I couldn't get one because they were, they had two and they were being used, which is just incredibly sad to think that there was another two parents in there going through the same thing as me same and I wasn't more. able to use it. Um, so that was devastating. So I thought I need to fundraise and get these out there because the, the first hospital I was at didn't have one, didn't know about them, and the MARTA clearly still didn't even have enough at the time. So, um, yeah, I put my sole focus into fundraising and um, we fundraised enough for two, which was amazing. Um, so it goes, you know, in memory of my, my children as well. So I gave one to Redlands Hospital, um, so they have one there. And obviously I, I gave it to them in the hope it never gets used because that's 
ideally what you want um, because no one ever wants to have to use one. But, no. you know, it's there if if the need arises. So, yeah, we, we sent one there. Um, and then the MARTA, I think in that time, ended up getting another one from somewhere else. They end up, I think they might end up with three. So we gave the other one to um, Sunnybank Hospital because I have a, a my mum's friend works there as a midwife and they didn't have one. So they graciously accepted um, one as well. So, yeah, we just we put our effort That's into incredible. that. incredible. It was so really ge- so generous of you to put the effort and the energy and the love into that. And like you said, of course, you don't want any other family to have to use one, but the facts are that they will be mm-hmm. being used and I'm sure being appreciated by the families um, that are going through such a difficult time as well. Yeah. Um, and now... Life well, a couple yeah. of years on. So yeah, that was um, the boys are born twenty fourteen, um, and then we again went back down the same path of you know trying again, and um, we tried IVF this time in the hope for one because we were like we just have to have one. Like two is just clearly not ideal and not going to work. So um, we we did IVF a couple of cycles. They didn't unfortunately work, so that really sucked. Um, so we went back down the same path again as how we fell pregnant with the others and. Um, I fell pregnant again, maybe two or three cycles in. Um, and again, we were cautiously waiting to see, um, you know, what what was going on, one or two, whatever. And I remember I went for a scan over about five weeks. I think my doctor was pretty keen to see too. Um, not that there's heartbeats at that point or heartbeat, but we wanted to see and he did a scan. And again, we could see there was no heartbeats because it was still five weeks, but we could see two sacks and we were like oh good excellent here we go again twins again right but I I thought you know what I'm getting a stitch I don't care what the statistics say if this is the case you know let's just I was so much give me all the stitches everything just put 5,000 in I don't care just staple Um, that sucker up (laughs) exactly right so um but again this was very five weeks I mean like there's no heartbeats and we didn't even know what was going to happen so we we got went back at you know seven week mark for a dating scan and um and one had a really strong heartbeat and one didn't um, have a very it was it was there but it was very weak and not and not great um, which is sad obviously but for us we thought oh, you know if this doesn't work out then it, it, it sounds awful to say but it was the ideal situation because we, we just needed one like one was what we needed mm. to be able to hopefully carry to term and we kept an eye on that one and and then that baby did sort of just um, miscarry at about eight weeks so I was sad that that happened but um, relieved I think at that point in time because I thought we've got one now you know holy shit like throughout your journey how many times can you feel conflicting emotions no it just kept happening oh polarizing like one you know just straddling that line of Mm -hmm. you know being happy for one reason and devastated for another yeah, it's it, it's quite mind blowing, really, that 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 happens. But you know, I was just in a mindset was was I thought, well, we've got one, and we've got one strong heartbeat, and this is amazing. Let's you know, let's do it. Let's see how this goes. And um, again, they were fairly certain it was incompetent cervix, but I don't know. No one wants to label it. I don't think so. The doctor, I said, he said, I'll put a stitch in. Obviously, I said, of course, of course you will. You will be putting a stitch in. There's no, there's no taking no for an answer here. And by this time, I'd had my. Um, so it was about a year later, so I'd had my healthcare kick in and everything. So this is 2015. Um, so I was able to have my private ob, which was great. Um, he put a stitch in at 12 weeks preventative. Um, and then we sort of, I had scans every two weeks up till 20 weeks. And then everything was holding well. And then I, um, I, went, to, I went to weekly scans 
from 20 to 24 and I ended up just staying weekly scans from then on because I, I had to. Yeah, like, Alice, I just... would have just been sleeping outside my obstetrician's I office. <laughs> I actually said me to... again. <laughs> I said to him at one point, I said to him, how much does one of these cost, these machines? Because like I'm, I'm kind of going to buy one. I thought that I'll, I'll just buy one because like I can, I know what I'm looking at. I've looked at these scans that many times. I know when I've done that much research, I'm asking him, I'm telling him to check everything. Like he pretty much did what I told him to do, which was yeah. hilarious, but he, he, he obliged. He was a great doctor and he was amazing. And um, yeah. And I said, look, I'll, I'll just buy one. He's like, Oh, you're looking at 40 grand. I was like, is it worth it? no man like it might be worth it anyway reality is it's not. Um, but yeah, I just said, yeah, I'm coming in. He said, you, you do what you need to do. If it's every week, fine by me I said good that's x I did try it 1.2 weeks and I think I called him up after a week I was like I'm freaking out you know like can yeah. I come in he's like absolutely so um yep so we did weekly scans we checked the we checked everything I put myself on bed breast um from 20 to 24 weeks I didn't not on the doctor's advice I just did it on my own accord because I just thought you know better to be safe than sorry so I put mentally myself on I can I can imagine you would have felt like you just had to be doing as much as you can Yes, everything. I just wanted to do everything I could. Um, you know, he said, you don't have to do that. I said, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I've, I'm just, I have to do what I feel is right. So I, I did that, did my weekly scans. We got to 24, which was awesome. And then every two weeks for me was a milestone because every two weeks is just so much better. Like 26 weeks is better and 28 and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, so we just sort of, we did that. Um, I think I went back to work. I took some time off work, went back at about 25 weeks and just worked three days a week and in between resting um, up till about 30, um, 32, 33 weeks. And then I, I went off after that um, just mentally too. It was just a bit too much for me and so much going on. So everything was looking perfect. Everything was holding. Baby was fine. Um, and then believe it or not, we got to um, – so Stitch was going to come out at about um, 30 – they don't normally take it out about 37 weeks, but I – did a bit of negotiating. I was like, what about like, I don't know, 36 and a half. Like I just, I needed this baby out and alive and I just, oh I couldn't gosh, wait. So I just said to him, you know, he goes, oh, all right. Yep. No, that sounds good. I guess we can do that. So I got to the the date of stitch removal and um, I remember the day before um, he booked it in, he said to me, oh, I know you want to, we we're going to do it Friday. And I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, Friday is um, Friday the 13th. It was a May, Friday the 13th. I said, yeah. And he goes, you cool with that? Like, you know, he's like, I'm just Are you superstitious? Everything. Yeah, yeah. Was, superstitious. This, like, was this still the same of? Was this the one that you and I both had? No, no. I, I ended okay, up different. My, my fertility yeah. doctor, Ob. Yeah, so no, it wasn't his. Yeah. Anyway, so he said to me, oh, you know, do you want to? I said, yep, yep. I don't care. Like, I'm not, no, I'm not superstitious. It's fine. Let's do it. I had a few. You're like, mate, I've like, had a whole, a whole <laughs> lot of bad luck. The last <laughs> thing that I'm worried about <laughs> is the freaking day. <laughs> exactly. I did not care. I was like, let's just do it. And I mean, it was just for the removal. So like, I may or may not have had the baby that day. We, we weren't really sure, but, um, you know, just in case. So yeah, when it was quite surreal, really going in and uh, having that out, didn't go to plan. Um, but I ended up being induced that day because the stitch didn't come out quite how it was meant to. I won't go into the detail, but it didn't. Um, so I ended up being induced, which I was like, oh, God, I wasn't really prepared for this, but all right, you know, let's do it. Let's get this done. Because he did say to me, he's like, we can hold out a couple of days and and see. And I was like, nah, let's just do it. Like, I'm ready. Let's just have this baby, get it out. I just, I need this done. So, um, yeah, so I think I was in labour for maybe eight hours and I had my son, Ollie, or Oliver, Ollie, um, at yeah. 10.30 that night. So oh my gosh. But I've got the biggest smile on my face because I know, like, because oh, he's here and he's asleep I know. right now. And, uh, he's asleep I know. right now he's under your roof. Three and a half. Like, yeah. I can't believe it was and that long ago. 
And he looks like he's a mini Chris. He does, hey. He's, <laughs> he's just a little, little tiny, little tiny dad, basically. And he was here, and it was, um, it was surreal. Like I just had this baby. baby. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. it was amazing. It was the best. There was and tears you everywhere. You got to take him home. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I got to take him home, and um, yeah, and just can yeah. have a normal life with with this baby. So. Um, yeah, so we, we had him and everything was awesome. And, you know, people would ask me, you know, you, you, do you want any more kids? And I'm like, oh, God, I don't know. Like, I'm just happy to have him. Like, I, you know, I maybe later on I'll, I'll see how I go. But at this point in time, he's all I ever wanted. And, yeah. you know, like, I'm happy. So, of yeah, of course. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we just were living life. Everything was great. Um, and then because um, I had polycystic ovaries, I obviously didn't think I could fall pregnant on my own. I thought I needed all my my fertility and whatnot. So that was something I considered going down later on down the track. Um, but, you know, I'd have to think about it given twins, twins, twins. <laughs> like, is it worth it? It's you know, there's so, so many, much so many to things consider. to think about. Oh, I know. And, like, I, I, was, I was like, I'm just happy with him. Like, you know, if he's all I have, I'm, I'm cool with this. Like, that's fine. So, um, you know, we'd talked about it. It was wait and see. And then um, he was just over one. And um, I think I come home from work one day and I was like, something feels odd. I feel strange. What's going on? I just, like, my boobs felt weird. And I was like. I just all of a sudden I thought, can I be pregnant? I'm like, no, no, there's no way. Like, I can't even, I can't even get pregnant with that. There's, there's just no way. Um, so I sort of dismissed it for a bit, and then it was playing in my mind. I thought, oh, I had like an old pregnancy test from, I don't know, ages. It was probably out of date. I'm pretty sure. I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just pee on it and see what happens. But I'm not expecting anything. And um, sure enough, two lines come up, and then I mm-hmm. thought. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, th- this is out of date. Wow. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. This really isn't possible, is it? And and it probably, it's probably not even for real. And maybe it's just one of, oh, I was like, I, I don't know. So Chris came home from work and I like come running out. I was like, you're not going to believe this. And I showed him the stick and he's like, what? I said, I, I said, I know, but I said, this, this is old. This is out of date. I said, Look, I'm going to go to the shop and buy 5,000 pregnancy tests and I'll come back <laughs> and we'll just, <laughs> we'll, we'll see, like, we'll see. So I'm like that crazy person. I'm like, Randy Chemist Warehouse, got, like one of everything. Or two <laughs> the of everything. whole basket. <laughs> come back with a basket of pregnancy tests. Come back and a home. couple of litres of water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Got exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I come home and I started peeing on about 50 million sticks and they're all coming out positive, positive. I was like, what? I can't even believe I'm this. Like, this. Oh my god! This, it, I'm pre- I'm pregnant again. Like it's he's only one. I you know I never really expected this, but I was so this time I was just excited because I thought, wow, like it's it a do different, anything. different, yeah. It's it was yeah. I mean, it was scary again, but it was um because I thought, how do I do this with an, another ba- like a toddler that needs me as well? So I remember mm. calling my ob. I'm like, you're not going to believe this, and he's he was pretty shocked. He's like, oh my gosh, well, that's amazing. Yeah, come in, let's get some you know run some tests, see what happens. So, um. So I went in and, you know, we got to seven weeks, checked it, one baby this time, which is even better, like just just one. I was like, I can't believe this. Um, so, yeah, we just had the one. And, again, I just said, let's do the same thing. Let's get the stitch done. Um, I had a few more concerns this time in regards to having, a, a like, a little boy, like a toddler to, to run around with. Cause run I run after, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, put yourself on bed rest. Be, yeah, I can't. Like, the last time I could, I, I can't rest this time. Um, and he was like, he was of the opinion I didn't really need to rest last time. So he sort of was of the same opinion again. He said, look, just take it easy, you know, don't lift if you can, again, try not to lift a one-year-old, but, you know, do, just do the best you can really um, and, and keep, you know, we'll keep an eye on things. So 
um, we basically did the same thing. I didn't have weekly scans this time. I wasn't as uptight, I think, because I, I didn't have time to be. It. I had a little boy to run around with and, exactly. um, and yeah, we had the stitch done and, and then everything went fine again. And again, I didn't even rest this time because I couldn't and it held perfectly and same thing had stitch out and, and then I had a little girl, Amelia or Emmy, we call her. And that was, um, about 21 months ago. So and I'm looking no, at a photo of her right she, now. <laughs> she, she's um oh she's she's awesome. She's certainly a crazy little one. She's definitely a bit different to her brother, but she she's determined <laughs> to be here by the seams of it. Um, and we she couldn't was, have been happier. She was she was headed to your family regardless. Wasn't she, she had oh absolutely. She was coming like her. You know, all of a sudden we were pregnant with her, and then her her labour was from when I decided I was in labour to when she was born was about three and a half hours. So she was just. She was just coming like, yeah, full steam ahead. Like, guys, I'm here. She's one that's got FOMO. Like, she doesn't like to miss out on things. So she's just, yeah, she was determined to be with us and um, complete the family basically. So we couldn't couldn't be happier. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was a sad story that got such a happy ending. And I'm so lucky because not everyone is that lucky, you know, like people don't get that opportunity. So I feel so lucky and blessed that I could, you know, have these two two babies, you know, fairly – easily I guess in that you know it wasn't easy but um the pregnancy did go according to plan everything you know their births went well you know so many more things could go wrong and they didn't so um I was really lucky and stoked I know and as I said you know I've sat here and I can see a photo of your beautiful family in front of me and you know you're just this gorgeous family that you would just you'd never know the heartache and even to hear you say I'm lucky I just think you know, obviously you've been through so much, but to be able to hear you say that you're lucky and you are because I know, you know I, I am. I'm very yeah, lucky. You are. I've been I've been pushed into to that world of um of baby loss and I still you know, I still see it now and I, I try and help people where I can and um you know, I have seen people who just, you know, something's gone wrong or they've it's it can go so much worse. So I mean obviously it was terrible what happened, but like I said, I always think that everything, you know, always could be worse and I could not have my baby. So, yeah, I am. I'm super, super, super lucky. You're super. a very, very strong woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I mentioned, I feel I feel as though there's so many different, um, you know, topics we could keep talking about. There's, you know, oh, even absolutely. just listening to you speak, I'm like, oh, I'd love to touch on that. I'd love to touch on that. <laughs> um, but I also know that your beautiful Bubs are going to finish their nap any minute and I've got to get my two from school um so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pop I had some um some notes here on some resources just for those who may be listening and just need some extra support so what I'll do um is I'll pop those in the show notes Elise and if there's anything that we've run out of time to touch on that you want to add as well, just, just you know, you and I are liaise after this chat anyway and we mm-hmm. can include that info. So for those listening, make sure you do read through the show notes. Um, and, yeah, I hope that for those listening it hasn't been too hard or too <laughs> upsetting or confronting and I hope that you can just take, take you know, one or two, one or two bits of, um, I guess, life lessons from from Elise. Um, so thank you so much for sharing your your family's journey. Um, thank you. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you. It's um, yeah, it's a it's a long one, so <laughs> I probably blabbed on a lot, but um, I do appreciate no. being able to talk about them. And like you said, hopefully, even if it just helps one person or helps one person help someone they know going through it, um, is really all I want. Um, so yeah, it thank will you. Definitely help more than one person. I have no doubts at all. Um, so yeah, thank you so much, Elise. And yeah, for those listening, I just. Yeah, I hope that you have gotten through this episode and taken at least one thing with you. So thank you, guys. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 